Hi, my name is Leila, and I attend 1030 Macquarie Park. Today's Bible reading is from the book of John, chapter 1, 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on a son of man. This is word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a quote that gets attributed to Winston Churchill, although I think a lot of quotes get attributed to him, so I'm not sure if it's him or not, but it says this, when you're 20, you care what everyone thinks. When you're 40, you stop caring what everyone thinks. And when you're 60, you realise no one was ever thinking about you in the first place. Now, I can't tell you if that's true because I'm yet to be 40, so I guess I still think everyone's thinking about me. Uh, but... I do know that it's very easy to go through life just looking at everything through your own lens. And often we have no other perspective than what we can see through our own eyes. Uh, so we see the, the good things and we see the bad things. We see the things that are going well, the things that are going not so well. Uh, we see the, the setbacks, we see the joys. And the whole time we're just looking through our own perspective. It's a bit like if you can imagine a battle happening down in a valley and the soldiers are engaged in arm-to-arm -arm conflict and they're fighting and, and hurting each other and, and the soldiers can see that things are going badly. Uh, their, their friends are dropping, and there's casualties, there's injuries and the battle is, is, is terrible. Uh, but up on the hilltop is the bigger, more significant view of the commander sitting up there who knows that if they just hang in there for a little bit longer, the battle will be won. Well, in this account of Philip and Nathaniel coming to uh, meet Jesus, we see their perspective on Jesus, which at times is good, sometimes it's not so good, and then it changes. But we also see another view. We see Jesus' bigger more significant, more powerful, more wonderful perspective. And that perspective makes all the difference here. So today the points that we're going to cover are three things. Number one, that we need to see Jesus. Number two, 
that Jesus always sees us first. And number three, that we will see greater things. So number one, that we need to see Jesus. John's gospel has a focus on seeing. Sometimes it's called the gospel of signs because Jesus in John doesn't do miracles. He does signs and signs point to something. It's like if you're driving through the street, you see the yellow M, you know that that sign is telling you inside is tasty food, which if eaten too much will take years off my life. Jesus' signs point to something. They point to his identity as one sent by God. So as he heals the five, as he feeds the 5,000, as he heals people, as he turns water into wine, all of these signs point to the fact that this is the one God has sent. And in John chapter 19, verse 35, we read these words from John, the author of the gospel. He says, his testimony is true. He's talking about himself. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. The Australian historian and Christian John Dixon has been issuing a challenge to people for a decade now where he says that, he says this, Jesus did live, I will eat a page of my Bible if someone can find me just one full professor of ancient history, classics or New Testament in an accredited uni who thinks otherwise. And as far as I know, he hasn't eaten his words or his Bible yet. Jesus' existence is undisputed. Even the experts in history agree with that. And via the testimony of the first witnesses and apostles, we see the historical man, Jesus. But more than that, we need to see him spiritually. Notice the language that Philip uses. Jesus has approached him. He's invited him to follow. Philip sees physically. And he, and he follows, he sees spiritually. See verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and he told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Not just an impressive teacher or, or a life coach or a guru or a mind, body, spirit specialist. Philip says this is the one promised for generations in the scriptures of Israel, the one who would redeem God's people, who for those with the eyes to see in the Old Testament would redeem all the nations of the world, who would make that offer. And what does Nathaniel say? Wow, why didn't you tell me sooner? No, actually, he's more like the agnostic person. He's uncertain and he thinks it unlikely. He says, verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come out of there? You can almost hear him spitting as he says it. It's like saying, can anything good come out of the Blue Mountains? I can say that because I'm from there. Uh, the point is, this is not an international city. This is not a place with world-renowned influence. How can the Messiah come from Nazareth? But here, Philip's response in verse 46, and I think this is beautiful. He says, come and see. Come and see. Maybe you think you could never share your faith. Maybe you think that uh, you, you don't have the skills or the gifts. You see other people around who find it so easy. You lack confidence. 
will just be like Philip here. Elsewhere in the Gospels, he's actually profoundly lacking in confidence. He's often asking a dumb question or getting someone involved when he shouldn't be getting them involved. But he's a great model to us. Just throw it out there with someone say, look, I reckon Jesus is the Messiah. They might say, what are you talking about? What does that even mean? You've been hanging out with those church people too much again. And then you can say, well, come and see for yourself. Here's a Bible. Come to my church with me. I'll buy you a beer afterwards. Just come and see. We need to see Jesus physically and historically, but more than that, spiritually as the Messiah. But secondly, Jesus always sees us first. This is an unexpected meeting between Jesus and Nathaniel, and if Jesus were not the Messiah, it would be arrogant and it would be weird. Jesus has seen Nathaniel coming and he sees into his heart and he says, verse 47, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He's not saying Nathaniel's perfect. Uh, He's just saying this man is not a hypocrite. He's not double-minded. He's not a sneaky person. He calls things as he sees them, but he's willing to come and check it out. And Nathanael asks Jesus how he knows him. And Jesus responds with these amazing words, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I saw you. Maybe the fig tree is significant here somehow, but what is most important here is that Jesus sees Nathanael. He sees him supernaturally, He shows he is the omniscient one, the one who is all-knowing, all-seeing. As John chapter 1 has told us, this is the Word made flesh, the one who in the beginning was with God, who was God. Jesus is God. At the end of chapter 2, people come to Jesus, and in verse 24, we read similar words, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. And as he realises that Jesus sees him inside and out, Nathanael is converted then and there to be a disciple. Verse 49, he declares, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He moves from using this general term for Jesus, rabbi, which means teacher, to using these explicit titles for the Christ, for for the one promised uh, son of God. It means a king and king of Israel. This is a messianic title. And from then onwards, he will entrust his whole life to Jesus, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult and inconvenient. It begins in this moment of spiritual sight. I want to ask you today, have you actually come to this point with Jesus yet? Or did you at, in the past come to this, but you've drifted from it? And many people find Jesus impressive. I think I lost the mic, but we'll keep going. Uh, Many people find Jesus impressive as a rabbi, as a teacher, as an influencer, someone who maybe shaped Western values, who inspired social justice, 
But the move of a disciple is to see him as the Messiah. Maybe you're inquiring or admiring Jesus at the moment. And I want to say that's so great that you've tuned into this video today. It's so great that you're here in the building today. Uh, And I wouldn't rush you as you think about that. It takes time to think through Jesus seriously. I'm glad this is a church where uh, people are committed to helping others come to understand, to know what it means to follow Jesus, to to sit down and and, and go through his claims in the Bible and and wrestle with it and bring whatever doubts and concerns and, and issues that you have, even anger, as you do that. Christianity Explored is starting on the, uh, the 8th of February. We're in a small group in a non-confrontational way. You can sit down and talk with others uh, about these things. Connect group sign up, as we heard, has started at the moment where if you're already following Jesus, you can be part of a group of people who, who help you in that. I know as I read the Gospels, I feel searched out by Jesus. I've, I've met someone here who knows me deeper than anyone else, knows me deeper than a counsellor or a psychologist even, vital as they are, uh, but he, he knows me and my deepest need of relationship with God and he's come to solve it as well. So what might Jesus say to us today? I saw you. I saw you last night. I saw you at that dinner. I saw you in your office. I saw you as you made that decision. I saw you as you had those private thoughts to yourself. I know your inner life, your character, your secrets. I know who you are, the depths of you. And in spite of knowing all of that, Jesus says to us the same thing that he says to Nathaniel and to Philip. Follow me. He wants us to to have what he has, to be part of this kingdom that he is building I once invited a guy to church and his answer surprised me. Uh, He said, no, my family didn't do that. I'm not religious. Uh, That's not for me. And I thought to myself, I'm so sorry for any way that I've contributed to making church seem like this club, which is for insiders who grew up in it. When the whole purpose of Jesus coming is that he gathers people from all around the world, that he puts the call out to all, come and follow me. Over the years, to be honest, there's been times when I've had dry seasons, times when I've drifted from having Jesus at the centre and I've needed to return again, to resolve again, to follow him, to say, I'm yours, Jesus. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll go wherever. Take my life. Take my heart. Forgive me my sin. Give me your Holy Spirit. I'm going where you want me to go. You are the king and I am not. And I will live for you in this world. Please let me do that. Here is God's son, the king of Israel, seeking out subjects for his kingdom. And it's such a privilege to be invited to come and be part of this. Well, this isn't where we finish because thirdly, Jesus tells us we will see greater things. See verse 50, Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open 
and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. If you know your Bible, you'll know that this is hearkening back to an image in Genesis chapter 28 where Abraham's grandson Jacob is in a place called Bethel and he sees a vision of a stairway to heaven, not the, the rock anthem, but literally a stairway to heaven. And, and he sees angels coming up and down on this staircase and God makes a declaration that the promise he made to Abraham is coming through this grandson in this place. And Jesus now promises that all disciples will see the angels coming up and down on who? On the Son of Man, which is one of his names for himself. No longer, Jesus is saying, is Jacob God's ultimate man. Jesus is. No longer is Bethel God's ultimate place. Jesus Christ is the place where we meet with God, where we have a relationship with God. This is basic Christianity. These are the greater things that you see through the works of Jesus, through his words, through his cross, his resurrection, through the outpouring of his spirit, the building of his church, we come to see the greater things. You don't have to have read or understood every word in the Bible to come and follow Jesus or to be a Christian. Jesus says there's, de there's depth that can come, there's growth, there's development, that there's more things to see. And I'm praying this year that I might see more of Jesus. That I might see more of these greater things. How about for you? Would you pray that as well? Before we finish, I want to draw out two implications from all of this for us today. Number one, for our seeing. And number two, for our following. I was at a bus stop this week and saw the um, billboard, uh, an advertisement for some men's clothes. And I looked at that and I thought, yeah, I want to wear that. I want to be like that. I want to look like that. So if you're in advertising, well done, it does work. Uh, it's the same with seeing Jesus. John Piper uh, has said this, long looking with admiration produces change. Long looking with admiration produces change. It's true in the secular sphere, but it's true as we look at Jesus. And as we admire him and appreciate him, we can be conformed to him. It's actually really hard to know how to do that sometimes as a Christian. How can I move forward? How can I leave behind things that used to be hang-ups and go the way Jesus wants me to go and be transformed to be like him? Should I kind of stick post-it notes up on the mirror and, and try really hard to follow all the instructions? And should I have a journal? And should I have accountability buddies? And I'm sure all of those things have a place. But without Jesus at the centre of our methods and techniques, then it's, it's useless, it's futile. We need to see him and be amazed in the, in the light of his glory and his grace and let other things, the preconceptions that we bring to him, fade away as we see him for who he is. Nathaniel thought nothing good could come out of Nazareth. He got it wrong. All of us get it wrong at various points, but all of that changed when he recognised and saw Jesus for who he is. How do we know if we're seeing Jesus rightly? I would suggest it's, I want to ask the question, are you surprised by Jesus? Are you ever humbled by him in the word? 
Are you ever taken off guard and, and think, I haven't seen this for a while, I haven't seen this before? Uh, are you challenged by who he's revealed to be? Often new Christians get this the most in my experience. They're just learning all the time and coming with enthusiasm and saying, just check out this thing that I learned and I've got to, I've got to change and I've, I've got to grow and I want to know this more. The challenge is when we've been Christians for a number of years to keep coming, keep seeing, keep seeing the greater things, keep being transformed. So that's for our seeing The second implication is for our following. Sometimes I fall for the idea that just having my life set up in an orderly fashion with a good schedule and my expectations right, my work-life balance in order and my commitments balanced and relationships in a harmonious place, that I'm somehow doing everything that I need to do and that that's a complete life. But... Philip and Nathaniel here give us the model of discipleship. Not just an orderly life, but a life ordered around Jesus the Messiah. A life that drops everything to follow him. I heard of a Bible study group in India run by some Western missionaries. And as they came to the end of the group, they prayed and the missionaries thought, this is the end of the night. And the group stood up and they said, who are we going to tell tonight? Who are we going to go and find tonight to tell this great news to? Had the privilege of visiting Sudan a number of years ago and visiting a church there. And after the service, I was shown around to people milling around in different parts of the church. And I was taken to one of the rooms out the back. And after the service, the Christians were gathering, not, not to have a chat and a tea and get ready to go home and watch Netflix, but uh, kneeling down around the room, ready to pray all night that God might keep doing his work amongst them, that, that Jesus' word might be advanced through them and then get up and go to work on Monday morning. Now, I'm not saying these things to uh, make us feel guilty but actually to inspire us uh, to see discipleship, to see what it is to leave behind who we thought Jesus was and follow him, pursue him for who he is, the one who sees all, who knows all. This year, will Jesus need to fit around my passions? Will I need to squeeze him in somewhere on the edges? Or will I orient my life and my best laid plans around him? Will I even forego some of my plans for the sake of following him who came for me? It's easy to see life and actually to see Jesus through our limited perspective sometimes, isn't it? Whether you're 20, 40, 60 or beyond, it's easy to see with the wrong view. Nathaniel did that. But when you see the one who first saw you, the King of Israel, the Son of God, well, that changes everything, doesn't it? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, glorious Son, Holy Spirit, we are confronted here by Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Israel. 
please so let us see him and follow him and lay down our lives for him that we are transformed this year and conformed to him. And we pray this all to the glory of Jesus' name. Amen.